0: Well hello everybody. Hello. hello welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord Amen? Amen. Amen. Well praise be to God we thank you for joining us here at Gospel Saving Church. I want to thank everybody coming into my home for church on this beautiful beautiful day of the Lord and we just want to um, I want to welcome everybody coming from SoundCloud. It's such a privilege for me to be up here and be in God's vessel and speaking God's word and, and just uh, reaching all over the world. I was thankful. So thankful for what God's done to Gospel Saving Church and allowed us to reach all over the world and preaching His truths. So if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, we're going to open up with a word of prayer before we get into the word tonight. And uh, let's ask the Lord to bless our message and to bless my mouth and bless our ears because we all need help because we're all so broken, Lord. So we, Lord, we we come before you today, Lord God, and We just thank you, Lord God, for this wonderful time that we get to gather together, Lord, and we get to to speak. I get to speak your word, Lord, and we get to hear your words and we get to read your word. And, Lord, thank you so much for your love and your Holy Spirit and your word and all your grace and all your truth and all your mercy and everything that you give out to all peoples. I just pray, Lord God, for us all today, Lord God, that we would listen intently that our ears would be open, that our hearts would be receptive to what you have to tell us today, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord God, that if there's changes that need to be made within our lives or within the lives of of whoever is listening, Lord God, I just pray that that they would be open and receptive, Lord, to making those changes, Lord. I just pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would have free course within our lives to make the changes that are necessary for, Lord, us to be more like you, So Lord, please bless this message, bless our ears, Lord, bless our hearts, keep the devil out of this place, Lord, and help us, Lord, help us to to just listen and learn. for We have one teacher, and that is the Christ. Help us to learn from you, Jesus. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name, amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 22 verses 34 through 40 tonight, so you guys can open your Bibles. If you want to start getting there while I'm going over my thoughts from last week's message, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Again, that's Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. My thoughts from last week's message. In our message last week, we talked about how the Sadducees came to Christ, testing him with a question about the resurrection from the dead, of which, remember, we talked about they they didn't even believe in that anyway. Well, Jesus shows them by undeniable proof that in the literal interpretation of their scriptures, that they are wrong about there not being an afterlife. They're wrong about there not being a resurrection, but yet they don't repent and turn to him and put their faith in him. You know, this is so sad for them. And it's sad for people that, you know, have the same thing happen to them today and that they don't do that. But... Several weeks in a row now we've been talking about this subject and we've, we've kind of beat this one like a dead horse. So I'm not going to keep talking about this one. We're going to move forward. I, want, I don't want to beat a dead horse anymore. Uh, all we can do from, from their example, all we can do from their bad example, you could say, is learn from their example of being unrepentant and not copy it. We don't have to copy it. We don't have to follow it. We need to do the opposite of what they did and that is what what is the opposite we need to always and forever and live in a perpetual state of repentance and living for god and choosing his path or as hosea fourteen nine puts it who is wise let him understand these things who is prudent let him know them for the ways of the lord are right and the righteous walk in them but transgressors stumble in them. So we have God's wise path and we have our foolish path. Well, God desires all to come to repentance and none to perish. But he does give us, unfortunately, I would say, our free will to choose either his wise path or our foolish one. So, but moving on from that idea, again, not continuing to beat on that idea and beat on that idea and beat on that idea. The literal interpretation that the Sadducees missed that gave them the evidence of their being an afterlife or their being a resurrection was, remember, the title of last week's sermon. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Well, this whole idea is awesome. I mean, if you think about it, think about it. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Nobody, even though we die in the flesh, is dead forever. Even though we die in this flesh, we go on to live a life forever in the spirit after we die in the flesh. Either heaven and paradise with God for those that choose to accept his wise path, or hell with the devil and the fallen angels for those who chose to reject God's wise path. But all those that die physically are still alive and have a consciousness. Don't go to it, but you can just mark it down if you're taking notes. You go to Luke 16. And a lot of people would consider this a parable. This is the the, the account of the the Lazarus and the rich man. Many, as I said, will call this a parable, yet the Bible doesn't say this is a parable. This is a real story that Jesus gave of two people that died. One a rich man who didn't choose God's path, and one, a poor man that did choose God's path. And they each die. And they go to their eternal destinations where they'll be forever. The rich man goes to hell. And the, the, and Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom where it was a type of paradise until heaven was opened up. Well, in this other state, past their physical bodies, they are alive. They didn't die. They died in the flesh Yet they lived on in the Spirit, and they had a consciousness. They talked over with one another. Abraham and Lazarus talked over to the rich man, and the rich man talked back to them. They knew everything that was going on around them. In fact, they even remembered things that were in the physical that they weren't in anymore. So they had a consciousness. Even though they were dead in the physical, they had a consciousness and an understanding in the spiritual On our website, gospelsavingchurch.com, there was another man, and he used to be an atheist professor. And there is, it's under testimonies, and this atheist professor talks about how at one point he was really sick, and he died. Well, as he died, he remembers leaving his body and going into this spirit world where he says he never felt more alive, he never felt more awake. Now, unfortunately, this man, as he was in this spiritual realm, these beings started to come to him. And at first, they wanted to lead him their way. And of course, he realized, wait a minute, I don't think I want to go this way. And they were leading him to hell. But one thing he said in his testimony that really impressed upon me was that when he left his physical body that was sick and he felt tired and he was weak, And when he went into the spiritual realm, when he went into the spiritual body, he felt alive like he'd never felt alive before. Unfortunately, he was going to the wrong place. But the point being, when we die in the physical, we live on in the spiritual. When we die physically, our real reality truly begins. And to me, this is amazing. What does it mean for us now, though, in this physical world, in this physical realm that we live in? Think about it. Your years now are just a drop in the bucket. You may live 100 years. You may live 120 years. But your spiritual man or woman that's within you, your soul, will live on forever in a more real reality than you live in right now. Now who do you want to live for? You want to live for God and his wise path or for you in your foolish path? I know for me, I want to live for God because I want the rest of my most alive or alert years of forever to be spent with God Almighty and Jesus Christ in wonderful paradise called heaven and not in the eternal torments of hell forever. Amen. And that's what I want. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. But your most alive years, for God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. For no one really dies to God. We just kind of like leave one realm into another. So I want you to think on that as you go through your week. Always things to ponder out of God's word. You know, who, which realm or which reality would you rather live for? Would you rather live for this reality and store up all your goods here, or would you rather live for the reality of eternity and live for forever? Anyway, all right. Well, let's move on to this week's message. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. The title of our sermon today, A Question to Divide. Title again, A Question to Divide. So, let's read it over, 34 through 40, Matthew chapter 22, and let's see what the Bible has to say to us today. The Bible says in verse 34, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, And with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, sadly, I don't know if you caught it. We talked about this for the last couple weeks. Sadly. Jesus' day of being attacked is not over. Did you see it in verses 34 and 35? The Pharisees hear that Jesus silences the Sadducees. Notice now, right before this, we had the Pharisees' disciples come to Jesus with the Herodians. And right before that, we had the Pharisees that came at Jesus again. Now, this is all right back to back to back to back to back. Now, here again, we have the Pharisees hear that Jesus silences the Sadducees. They don't learn their lesson and realize they can't trick him or win an argument against him. So they get together and make a plan to attack Jesus again. So what is their plan to attack him this time? Did you see it there in our couple first verses there? They send one of them, a lawyer or a scribe, one and the same, to attack Jesus with another question. Just FYI, this will be important for later, Matthew calls this man a lawyer, Mark, in the parallel passage of this scripture, Mark chapter twelve, calls him a scribe. Is this a contradiction? I mean we have on the one hand we have lawyer, the other hand we have scribe. Is it a contradiction? No. If you go to the Greek definitions, if you go to your concordance and you look up the definitions for the lawyer and the scribe, you'll see that they're both defined as those who deal with the law of God. With easy examination of those definitions, we see that the title lawyer, was a general term that Matthew chooses to use for this man, while scribe was the specific class of lawyer this guy was in. Example to help us understand, this is the way God showed me. Uh, Think of it like this. I went to go see my doctor yesterday. Doctor? Broad. How many types of doctors are there? Oh my goodness, probably hundreds, maybe even thousands. Uh, so doctor, general term. I went to go see my doctor. That would be like the term Matthew uses for, as lawyer. Now the term that Mark uses as scribe, uh, I'm going to see my urologist tomorrow. It's a specific type of doctor. A scribe was a specific type. That was his specifics. Okay, It was more detailed than what Matthew gives. I didn't want you to get tripped up on that word as we will be reading part of Mark's gospel, chapter 12, where, the, where he'll call this man a scribe and not a lawyer. And I didn't want you guys, but wait a minute, I thought we were talking about a lawyer and, and now Mark's calling him a scribe. But it's a parallel passage and they both use uh, you know, similar type names. Now, this scribe slash lawyer comes to Christ to test him with a question. But you would think that after Jesus just shut the mouths of these same Pharisees, you know, I told you a a couple few weeks ago, as well as their disciples that we just read about last week, a little bit ago, as well as the Sadducees just a moment ago, that these guys would stop attacking him, realizing that he always has the right answer to their questions to prove them wrong and stop attacking him, Right? But did they? Well, unfortunately, not according to the scripture that we just read, not according to verses 34 and 35. Seriously, you'd think these guys would get a clue. I don't know if any of you guys were familiar, but I used to love these cartoons when I was a child. I don't much care for them right now because I don't really like what always happens. But in case you guys might remember, Roadrunner and Coyote, you know, and the old... Uh, Warner Brothers cartoons, I believe they were Warner Brothers. And the road runner would always escape the coyote. The coyote would always try to go after the road runner, and he always tried, and always try these elaborate schemes and these elaborate plots. And what always happened is the road runner always turned it back on him and destroyed him, and and we see the same thing here with the Pharisees, and the scribes, and all these people, they keep doing this to Jesus, yet they keep losing, yet they keep coming back, and it's like they just don't learn their lessons. So anyway, it's kind of funny to me that, you know, I could parallel the scripture to a cartoon, but it's kind of like, you know, they very parallel very well. So what is their testing question this time? Look at verse 36 with me. They say to him, this is the big question. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Notice at first, I want to show you, notice this, their disdain for him. They don't call him Lord. They don't call him Lord or Master. They call him Teacher. For they had, remember, no respect for Christ at all. The question, their question, which is the great commandment in the law of God? Now, in case you're wondering... The law of God spanned about 623 total laws, just by the way. Now, fitting to me, at least they gave their really good effort here, fitting that they send one of them that is an expert in God's law, because that's what a lawyer and a scribe were. They were an expert in God's law. So they send an expert in God's law to ask him a question about the law of God. At least this time, they sent their big gun. You know, that's, that's how I look at it. They're, they're really trying their best. Lawyers slash scribes would have been excellent at interpreting the law of God. So they send their big gun. They send their expert in interpreting the law of God to test Jesus with this question about the law of God. But my big question as I was reading this, and I looked at a commentary and, you know, I prayed about it and all that, but my big question was, Is what are they hoping to gain by asking this question. I mean, it's just a question about the law of God. I mean, what, what what was their hope? Why did they send these guys in here? This was supposed to be their big plan. They send their big guns in to give Jesus this big question about the law of God. Like, you know, Jesus wouldn't know the law of God. Of course, he was God, or they didn't you know, accept that, but he was, so of course he's going to know it. But they send their big guns in, and they ask him this question. What, you know... What is the greatest commandment in the law of God? And what my big question is, what are they hoping to do you know, by doing this? So to figure this out, let's look at the things that we know about the situation here at hand. Number one, there's a multitude of people around Jesus right now. Verse 33 just told us that. Number two, keep in mind also that within a large group of people, whether religious or not, There are always a large amount of opinions upon Holy Scripture. And in fact, that would go for all religions. If you talk to a hundred people, they're all going to give you kind of a hundred different ideas about different religions in the world, whether they belong to those religions or not. There's an old saying in Christendom, and it it goes a little something like this, and and I modified it just for, for the sake of being truthful. It goes a little something like this. If your church has a hundred different members, you could also have a hundred different opinions on Scripture amongst those hundred people. So, and that's a very true thing, and I've been on the streets and been talking to Christians, and been talking to people that aren't Christians for lots of years, and this is the very case, this is what we find, and this is what I see, this is the test that I've, you know, I've kind of put out there, and I see it. So when we put these two things together... I believe that the reason for this testing question to Jesus was, as the title of the sermon suggests, to simply try try to cause those around him to be divided against him on his answer to this question. Always in every religion, people have great opinions on different aspects of their scripture. And of course, the people then had different opinions on what? What was the greatest commandment of God or greatest commandments of God? This kind of thing has been happening in Christianity since right now from Jesus all the way to today. Some of the main dividing issues uh, of Christianity historically, and I'm going to go through a little bit of each one of these as I go. Historically, we look to church history. Those big dividing questions in Christendom, which are also historically, which are also today. Uh, One, we have Calvinism. Uh, another one we have Armenianism, uh, we have replacement theology, we have eternal security, we have eschatology, we have spiritual gifts. Calvinism, you know, they believe they're set of ways that people are foreordained and predestined by God, and and that you know only those that God calls are, are the ones that can get saved and. And Calvinism, you know, in Calvinism, they believe that God has to save you, that you have no choice in the matter. He saves who he saves, and he doesn't save who he doesn't save. And those who he saves are those that are preordained and predestined and so on and so forth. And those who he doesn't save, he never wanted to save, and he created them just for hell. Armenianism is just kind of the complete opposite. We have left and right wing. Armenians say that all the people in the world have the choice. They're the ones that tell God, kind of, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. So they're kind of complete opposite spectrums. We have replacement theology. You know, God replaced the Jewish church. You know, God replaced the Jews with Christians. We have eternal security. Uh, Hey, I got saved one time. I'm always saved. No matter what I do, I'm saved for good. These are, now I'm telling you, the biggest dividing things in Christendom historically, even currently, that we have in the church eschatology that would be the end times how is jesus going to come back when is he going to come back what are the events going to be when he comes back spiritual gifts you know some some religions believe that you have to speak in tongues in order to be saved and other religions oh no you don't have to speak in tongues and so these questions in christendom have been great dividers modern issues that have divided christians health and wealth doctrine. I believe that you know God wants me to be healthy and wealthy and I'm supposed to you know be you know have this great health and have this great wealth and my whole life. And homosexuality now is in the church. A lot of Christian churches believe, oh God, God loves the homosexual and he made them that way, so they're fine. Come on in, we'll make them pastors and we'll come on into the church, and then that's fine that you bring them into the church, but unfortunately, God condemns homosexuality in the Bible. Yet, certain groups of Christianity are divided on this because they think, well, you know, God is a God of love, and he would never send somebody to hell just because of their sexual preference, and so on and so forth. It's just a nasty thing, but we got to go to the Bible. But nevertheless, it's a dividing issue. We have dividing issues over women as pastors. A lot of denominations now don't think it's a big deal to have women as pastors, yet the Bible says no, not to have women as pastors there's different dividing issues nowadays on ways to evangelize we oh i don't think this way to evangelize is right i think we have to evangelize this way and oh i think that you know uh, friendship evangelism is the right way and oh i don't think that street evangelism is very effective anyway we, we all these dividing factors in christianity christians the church the whole division it, there's a lot of division in the church <clears throat> What usually happens when Christians have divided opinions on the Bible in certain areas? We're looking at this, and we're going to go back to Scripture, and I'm going to show, I'm just showing you some things now. What usually happens when Christians have divided opinions on the Bible in certain areas? They divide and split. They go their separate ways. I can't believe your way, and you can't believe my way. we That's it. I'm out of here. That's it. I'm, I'm gone. They just separate. I mentioned it a little bit ago last week as I talked about the Pharisees and Sadducees, about all the different sects. Remember, last week I mentioned it? Well, this is the same thing. This is why we have all the different sects and different religions within Christianity. You know, we have the Baptists and the Protestants and the Methodists and the Lutherans and so on and so forth. And so that's why we have all these different sects because of all these different dividing issues. So now always, almost always, once the devil is successful to get Christians to divide over their differing beliefs, again... They separate. We've seen it here in Gospel Saving Church. I've seen it in other churches I've been in. Different things come in. Different people have different beliefs on Scripture. Different people have this. I believe I have this. I believe I have that. I can't fellowship with you. Ah, And they separate. That's just always what happens. Back to our subject matter on why this question they gave to Jesus was division, why I believe... The scribe came to Jesus with this question. Again, division. You see, if the Pharisees, here's their motive, and they were sneaky in this, real sneaky, because they didn't come with the law this time. They didn't come with the Romans this time. They came just as sneaky, trying to use God's law and Jesus' situation against him, Because you see, If the Pharisees could have caused this multitude around Jesus to have divided with him on which is the greatest commandment of God, they would have separated from him, leaving him with what? Few followers we get the people to divide if he gives the wrong answer i mean after all there's 623 laws and commandments in god's law so boy if he gives the wrong one and and his masses that are following they they don't agree they're gonna split few followers meant little protection for jesus leaving him open to what open into their hands remember they were looking for a way in which they could seize him so they could do what so they could Kill him. Many followers meant Matthew 25, 45, 46. Remember when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that he was speaking to them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. You see, so many followers meant protection from these wicked men that were trying to seize him and kill him. Few followers meant that they could have their way with him. Hey, he's just got a few people. I'm telling you, these Pharisees were smart and sneaky, but were they smarter than God? Were they smarter than Christ? Here, Let's read his answer and see if these sneaky Pharisees were successful to cause Jesus' followers to be divided against him and leave him. Look at verses 37 through 40. So Jesus said to them, in answer to their question, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophet. Jesus just said, loving God with all you are and loving others as yourself, on those two precepts, hung all other 600 plus laws well you see jesus did it again to these guys who could argue and divide over the greatest commandments of god being loving him first and loving your neighbor as self especially you see see jesus is even more sneaky and jesus was even more wise to defeat the sneaky okay his answers whether they knew it or not and you'll see a little bit that they knew His answers were directly from God's mouth, right from their own canon of scripture that they believed. He says that all the law, all the prophets hang on to love the Lord your God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, God says first of all to us in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, but that wasn't Christ. That was God Almighty talking to Moses. That's the first one that Jesus brings up. The second thing that Jesus says comes again from God's mouth. This time, Leviticus 19.18. He says, again, God speaking to Moses. God's very words, he says... You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and do not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And in fact, if you were to go through and read all of the 600, about, around, I should say, 623 laws, What do we find? But yet you see that the root of every law and every commandment was either love God with all your heart and everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. God had in his laws, you know, if you're walking along and and you see your neighbor's donkey on the side of the road and he's outside of the pen, he said, you stop, you grab that donkey and you bring him back to your neighbor or you put him back in your pen. What is the root of that? love your neighbor as yourself because guess what you'd want your neighbor to bring your donkey back and put him in back in his pen so now if you're loving your neighbor as yourself you're going to do that to your neighbor again love for your neighbor was the root of that law all right so jesus answers here with the perfect divine answer right from the Holy Bible and right from God's mouth that nobody could argue with. What do you think? Did these evil, hard-hearted Pharisee, or did this, excuse me, hard-hearted Pharisee, or scribe, whatever you want to call him, agree with what Jesus says? Or does he have an argument against Jesus? Now I want to mind you something as we're going to read his answer. If this guy didn't agree with what Christ just said, He would have been disagreeing with what God Almighty said from his Holy Scripture. And if he disagreed with God Almighty with what he said, well, there's a word for that, and it's called blasphemy. And in their Bible, blasphemy, or the blaspheming of God, or God's Word, would get somebody stoned to death. Stoned by the people. So this guy was on the verge, with his answer, of possibly committing blasphemy and being stoned to death by these people. So let's look at his response and see if he is careful not to get himself killed by the multitudes around Jesus. Remember that, to- remember that passage I told you we were going to read out of Mark? Well, we're going to go to Mark chapter 12 and we're going to go to verses 32 and 34 where we find this wise scribe's answer, as Jesus calls him. Mark 12, 32-34 for this guy's answer. So the scribes said to him, now this again preceded Jesus' answer right away. We're just not going to read Jesus' answer again because we already read it in Matthew. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared to question Jesus. Now, I don't know if you heard it, but as I was reading that, this is how I read it. it. When I read the Bible, I kind of try to picture or imagine how they might have said what they were saying. <laughs> I'll read it like I heard it. Mark twelve thirty two 32-34. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher. Oh, you have yo, you spoken the truth. Oh, ab- absolutely. There is one God. Oh, yes. And there is no other but he. Oh, yes. And to love him with all your heart and understanding and all your soul and with your strength. Oh, yes. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the law and all the prophets. I heard in his tone here a very careful and tender answer toward jesus again he gave this response very wisely because he realized at that moment his trap against jesus failed he realized at that moment man if i don't agree with what he said these people are going to take up stones and they're going to stone me i can't go against what god said those are god's words Holy camole! So he gives a very wise and very careful response and he avoids his life being taken from him. I see something hilarious here and I mentioned it with the roadrunner in the coyote analogy that I gave earlier. The Pharisees thought they would send their big dog lawyer guy and get the masses to be divided against Jesus on this question and, and be separate from him so that they could get their hands on him and kill him. And what ended up happening? Just like the coyote would try to go get the roadrunner and the roadrunner would turn it back on him and the coyote would end up having to pay for the attack that he had going against the roadrunner, we see the same thing happen here. Jesus turns the tables on these guys and puts this scribe in a situation where he could have lost his life instead of Jesus losing his life by these Pharisees or this scribe, I just think it's funny because Jesus had the wisdom of God within his body, within his mind, and people, mere human beings, these they. Th- I'm sending my big gun in here. We're gonna get him, and Jesus just like nothing. Yeah, how are you gonna answer God? Don't worry about me. What what are you gonna say about God? <laughs> Almighty, who trumps God's words from God's mouth? Nobody. And Jesus just flips it on him, <clears throat> excuse me, and puts this man in a situation. And I just think it just, I think it's just hilarious. Now, remember Matthew 22, Pharisees sent disciples with Herodians. This is goes back to they just tried to do this to him again. And, and it doesn't seem like they're ever going to learn their lesson because Jesus did the same thing to them then. If they could have just gotten Jesus to say, "Oh yeah, <coughs> excuse me, oh yeah, yeah, give it all to God and, and don't give any to Herod," then then guess what? The Herodians would have cried, you know, sedition, and they would have grabbed him and they could have had him killed. But Jesus turned it on their heads again. Hey, give to God what's God's. And gift to Caesar, what is Caesar's? I just think it's funny. What about the multitudes around Jesus now? Did these wicked, hard-hearted guys get them to fall away from Jesus with his answer? Well, if you just look one little chapter over, just a few verses in my Bible. It's actually on the next page, and you don't have to turn it if you don't want. But Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, which is, again, just a few verses from here, tells us, We read, then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and his disciples. Now this would be after the answer to his question. After this fellow admits that he's wrong and won't go against God so he doesn't lose his life, the multitudes and his disciples were still all with him. Did they win? Did they get Jesus' followers to fall away? Absolutely not. Jesus gives this divine answer that no one could argue with. And the multitudes agreed with him and continued to follow him. So the Pharisees' plans to trap and kill him again were foiled yet again. Finally, though, one good thing did come out of this. Did you catch it in Mark 12, 34? One good thing finally came out of Jesus' answer. Mark twelve thirty four said, finally... They wised up and decided that no one was going to question him ever again. And they didn't. He questions them, as we're going to see next week. We'll read that. And he actually gives them a long and a lot of stuff to think about. Well, that'll be for next week. But no one, that would mean all Pharisees now, which the scribe or lawyer or in a going to call belong to, no one bothered question him again. <laughs> Finally, they learned that when you challenge Jesus, you can't win. And so they didn't try anymore. Same now, by the way. If you or me or anybody in the whole world tries to challenge God, you'll lose every time. God doesn't change and he doesn't lose. His wisdom is above our wisdom. Our wisdom is nothing compared to God's wisdom. So just don't try. God doesn't lose challenges. He overcomes. He wins everyone. So just don't try. So, in, within my kind of lengthy closing today, because that's all pretty much I got for the sermon, I, I have two closes. One for Christians and, and one for those that aren't following Christ. First, my exhortation and my, and my close to those that are walking with Christ, those that are following Christ. The subject of division was pretty heavy in our material today. You know, that being the Pharisees trying to divide Jesus' followers from him and the historical dividing of Christians and Christianity. So I'm going to close with some words on this subject of division. This is what I believe God's wanting me to do today. Because I could have closed in lots of ways, and there's lots of different ways this even sermon could have even been taught. But there's lots of different angles to God's word that we can always look at. And You know, I could probably do five sermons on this one little section of scripture here. But just this one angle for close. Just remember, Christians, please keep this in your mind. The devil was not just working on Jesus and those that followed him in his day to divide them. He's been working on dividing Christians up to this very day, March 4th, 2015. And sadly, historically, and currently even, he has and is doing a really, really really good job of it because the Christian church is full of division. Christians, division is a very evil thing and it's not God's heart that it happens. So my words to Christians out there today that are listening concerning division in the church and in different denominations is this. Please, 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 Try to work out your differences in Scripture with all of your heart. God does not want His children to be so divided against one another. I learned this saying a long time ago, and I hope it helps others the way it's helped me. Because it has helped me ever since I learned it. It hasn't helped some of those that I've known not be so divisive, but we all have to account for ourselves. But one thing I learned a long time ago, this saying, and it goes like this. Learn to agree to disagree. And I'll add, and stop letting disagreements on God's word cause us to divide and dislike one another. Christians need to stop. We need to stop letting our interpretations on scripture separate us and cause contention between us. God says in Amos 3.3, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Well, that's pretty much, I mean, everybody that's listening to me, anywhere in the whole world knows this answer. Of course not. Capital N, capital O. Unless you are agreed, unless you're together, you shall not walk together. Period. The end. So what's the importance? As Christians, we need to think about this. What's the importance to not let Satan divide us against one another? And what's the importance of us walking together? What's the importance of us loving one another? I mean, just think about it. Because division is so rampant in the Christian church. What is the importance of us staying united? How can you really say, this is it, this is what I came up with, the surmise here. How can you really say you love someone if you're so divided against them? Well, you can't. You can't really truly say you love someone if you have all that division in the way. And what did Jesus say in John 13, 34 and 35? He says, a new commandment I give to you. This is to all his followers, including us today. He says that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And most importantly, By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, Christians, if we're so divided and so against one another because of our different beliefs in Scripture and we're not loving one another, how are we following Jesus' commandment here? We're not. So, please, Christians, anywhere, everywhere, Do more loving of one another and less dividing and contending with one another. I pray for it almost every day that we would just be like-minded despite our differences and that we would love one another. We're always going to have disagreements on we disagree about the color of the sky, the, what, how big things are, you know what color things are. Or if that guy was nice or if that guy was me, you can disagree on different things all day long. But just because you disagree with them doesn't mean that you have to split with one another. And just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean that you have to contend with them or dislike them or be against them. Love, we can love. Jesus said, remember the two greatest commandments of all, And which all the law and all the prophets fall upon are love the Lord your God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. So we need to show the world we are Christ's disciples, which is very important, which will show them that Christ is really real and alive and that he really loves them. So love one another. And stop being so divided and stop being so argumentative with others that don't necessarily believe in the the scriptures as you do. That's my exhortation to all the believers out there, all the followers of Christ that are listening to this message wherever you're coming from. Now, I have a close to those that aren't following Christ. And if you're out there listening to this message and you're not a follower of Christ, I want to apologize for what Christians have done in the name of Christianity. Because it is really, really, really sad. And if you're on the outside looking in, it it's kind of sad. So, I'm sorry. I really apologize to you if you're out there listening and you're hearing this message and you know you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Christ, but you're thinking, you know what, that is right. And look at all these denominations. All these Christians are all against one another. You're right. We shouldn't be. So, I, for all Christians everywhere, whether they're prideful enough or not, I'm not going to be. I apologize. We have done a terrible job of agreeing to disagree. And the result of that, we have let our pride bring division among us. And that's why you see all the different denominations as you do. Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, and so on and so forth. There's lots of them. Please know, please know that in spite of these different denominations, there's only one Bible. It may have many translations, but a lot of people misunderstand the translations of the Bible. You have the New King James Version, then the King James, and the ASV, and the ESV, and the NRSV, and you have all these different translations of the Bible. And 99.9 of them say the same thing, just in a slightly different way, to help somebody understand. God's word. And I believe God brought those interpretations in there because if you hold up those translations, one on top of the other, on top of the other, and I have five or more on my phone, my cell phone that I have, and I've shown people that have had this problem, I have a problem with all the interpretations of the Bible. And I pulled up different sections of scripture and different verses, and we look at them. And what do we see is that it's the same verse, just said a little bit of a different way. It doesn't change the meaning. It just says it a little bit a different way, and I believe it's from God, because why? Because God wants you or anybody and everybody to understand, and everybody learns in a little bit of a different way. So we have different translations. It's by God, because He wants you, in whatever way you learn, to learn His Word in the perfect way. So back to the division part. I pray and I hope you can get past the human failure side of what people in the Christian faith have done. My prayer for you as a as a not a follower of Christ, if you're listening to this message, is this that you would just look to Christ Jesus and investigate him and him alone in the Holy Bible for yourself. If you do, if you just look to Jesus and you don't look to those that follow Him, you'll find that God loves you and cherishes you above all of creation. More than the stars in the sky, more than the planets in the sky, more than the plants of the field, or the trees of the field, or more than your house, or more than the animals of the world, more than anything, God cherishes you And loves you above all these things that he created. In fact, you'll find you are the apple of God's very eye. And you know what? He knows every hair on your entire head. Or, if you're bald, he knows all the hair follicles and the amount of hairs that you would have had, had you been able to grow hair, or if you had hair. So please... Ignore the Christian factor and focus on the Christ factor and judge God and Christ by what they say and who they are and who they portray themselves to be in Scripture and not man. Always remember this if you're reading the Bible and you're looking at Christians. Always remember this. Jesus never said, follow my followers. He said, follow me. And God loves you very much. And He desires you to come to Him. And He doesn't desire that you perish. He desires you to love Him back because He loves you so much. So I I, I exhort you and implore you and beg of you. Go to the Bible and look at God for who He is. Stop looking at the Christians that have messed up, because we've all messed up all of us Christians. And look to God and see His love for you, for yourself, Check them out for yourself. Don't listen to nobody else. Just get a Bible and start looking at God. Please, God wants to save you, and He loves you very much. So if you guys would pray with me, please, and we'll close. Lord, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for this sermon today, Lord. Thank you so much for your holy word, the Bible. And Lord, thank you so much for your character that we read about in the Bible. God, we thank you so much that you have shown yourself so clear and so beautiful in Scripture. Without any man's hand in there, without looking at any Christian, without looking at any follower of Christ or somebody that calls himself a follower of Christ. Lord, if we just look at you and your word, we just see this awesome, awesome, awesome God that gave everything to save us, to show us his love, and to draw us to himself. So Lord, I, I just pray for everybody out there, Lord, that's listening for Christians, Lord, that we would not be divided with one another and be in contention in, in contention with one another, Lord. I pray that we would love one another. We can have our differences. Hey, that, you know what? Some say tomatoes, some said uh, some people say tomato, some people say tomato. We can have our differences, Lord, but let us agree to disagree, Lord. Let us learn, and Lord, help us to love one another so we can be your disciples. And Lord, to those out there that aren't your followers, that aren't Christians, that aren't born again, that aren't saved, Lord, I pray that they would look to Scripture and that they would look at you and your character and your love for them and stop looking at the flawed human factor. And I pray, dear God, as they do, you would just pour out your love upon them and draw them to Christ and draw them to salvation. I love you. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.